Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast where I meet other people who grew up with famous family members and discuss how that has affected their journeys through life. If you're subscribed to the podcast, thanks so much for listening. If not, please do subscribe, rate us, and leave a comment if you're liking what you hear. Also, if there are any guests you would particularly like to hear on the podcast, send your suggestions in via the comments box, and we'll try our best to get them on. My guest today is writer Phoebe Eclair Powell. And me and my mum had this quite big argument about it, because she was like, well, but I have, you know, I have paid for education. I have helped you in so many ways, so, like, if they mention me, we'll get over it. Phoebe originally trained as an actress at Drama Centre London, before continuing her studies at Oxford reading English. Phoebe's debut play, Wink, received four off-West End nominations, while her play, Fury, won her the Soho Young Writers Award and was runner-up for the Verity Bargate Award too. You remind me of this woman. She's not... She's okay. She thinks she's very funny. She's on the TV sometimes. She's very brash. And I was like, yes, my mum. Recently, her play, Shed, Exploded View, won the Bruntwood Prize for playwriting. Phoebe has also written for television, including on Channel 4's Hollyoaks, and she's currently under commission with Fremantle and writing on shows for other companies, including Qdos, 12 Town and Slim Productions. Phoebe's mother is comedian, novelist and actress Jenny Eclair. My mum would go out, get hammered and like, like get us to have a kebab on the way home. Jenny was the first woman to win the Edinburgh Comedy Award, then known as the Perrier, although before performing stand-up, she had trained as an actress and has appeared in shows including Holby City and The Bill. However, it's comedy that Jenny is known for best, and she's appeared on the small screen regularly being funny on programmes such as I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Grumpy Old Women, Splash, Loose Women, and Room 101, amongst many others. She was very naughty, and her and Janet Street Porter uh, drew some offensive um, sort of cocks and balls on uh, Miley and Class. Jenny has also written two novels, Camberwell Beauty and Having a Lovely Time, as well as a number of successful non-fiction books. She's also appeared on stage all around the world, so let's meet her daughter and today's almost famous guest, Phoebe Eclair-Powell. Hello, Phoebe. Woo, hi. Hello, thanks for having me on. Oh, my God. What an intro. What an intro. Uh, I always ask our guests, what did you think of your intro and what do you think your mum would have thought of hers? I'm I'm very impressed that you got through all of that. Uh, My intro was really lovely, thank you, and uh, really spot on. Um, And my mum, the only thing that she'd be very upset by is that she's actually written, I think it's five novels now. She's on it. She's on fifth mate uh it came out uh inheritance was the last one it came out uh, a few months ago you can buy it in all good bookshops uh that's her plug 
out of the way. As far as listen, as far as I'm concerned, when I did the research yesterday, it was two novels. So well, she's written she's three really in the last twenty four hours. So congratulations, <laughs> Jenny. She's very quick. Um, yeah, no, she's uh, works really, really hard. She's a workaholic, so that's that's her vibe. Has really. that has that rubbed off on you? Oh, massively. Like uh, we don't do holidays in my family. My mum's a bit Margaret Thatcher about them. She doesn't really believe in them, um, and I think that's really rubbed off on me. And I need to be a bit more adventurous. I've had to kind of force myself to have time off I think I think as two um, may I say slightly pale people oh, yes. uh, it does seem like neither of us have been on holiday any time recently for a long time yeah um, this may be a little bit uh, me being too honest about the kind of TV that I love to watch but I have to ask you're the first guest of ours whose uh, parent or sibling has been on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here yes I want to know what that was like watching your mum on that mega show Oh, that was incredible. So I was at uni at the time and I got this call from my mum because um, she and Dom Jolly went in a little bit later um, and she gave me this call being like, look, I'm not technically meant to call you, but they've let me. I'm at the airport. I'm about to do something really mental. I really hope you're okay with it, but I don't really care either way. Um, but I just want you to know that in case anything happens, that I love you very much, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Where have you left my dad? Where are you going? Um, you can't do this to us. And um, of course, sort of the next day I saw her literally arrive in the jungle so I was like oh my god uh, and I did sort of I think I thought I was just really impressed actually because I thought I could not do that it was t- terrifying and she actually came third she did really really stupidly well in that show and she had this weird um, time when she got back where loads of five-year-old boys loved her because she did a task that involved a digger and bugs and they were like wow she's the queen of the diggers Um, so she got a a new fan base from it Um, and sponsorship from JCB I hope sponsorship from JCB forever and ever Uh, no she's um, yeah she's the new Bob the Builder she she it really gave gave her some confidence back I think actually doing that show because she just proved that she can kind of do anything she's not really scared of anything my mum I think that was really great to see and you mean she wasn't, you knew she wasn't scared of anything, so that wasn't a surprise, or she'd maybe lost a bit of confidence before and then yeah, regained it, like you I said? Yeah, I think beforehand, I think she was sort of like at an interesting stage in her career, and then she did that show, and she's sort of, you know, I mean, and I knew my mum was a pretty uh, strong woman, but I don't think I, I, under, I understood how much she could eat, like, you know, a kangaroo testicle before, mm. and now I know, yeah. and she's really good at everything. Um, so <laughs> now I was, I was really pleased, I was rooting for her. I mean, it was a bit embarrassing, because at uni there were a lot of people... Um, you mentioned I went to, to Oxford and I, I oh I'm kind of funny about that fact I don't always like to mention it um, uh, and it's quite you know a snobby place to go and a lot of people were like oh that you know that awful TV show is on again mm-hmm. and I kind of really loved saying oh yeah my mum's on it and, and doing really well I, I watch it every evening um, so yeah I, I loved it I always find that people with that show and reality shows in general if they have an opinion so strong as they oh that awful program what I find it means is I watch it yes. and I'm not going to tell anyone I watch it and I secretly enjoy it definitely otherwise you wouldn't know it existed and it's just oh it's, come on it's it's TV and it's um, I mean it's really scary my mum I thought it was all a bit fake and then actually my mum was like no no it's it's 100% real they really do not give you food they really do you do sleep outside she thought that you know once the cameras turned off you all got flown over to a, like a nice hotel for the night and you really don't um, so yeah and and she kind of became lifelong friends with Dom Jolly through it. And I think that's quite sweet. That's really cool. Um, I was just going to ask, thinking about it, because uh, when I was a kid and uh, my stepdad Angus was up for a comedy award one year and it was one of the only comedy awards I think that you voted for at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember me and my brother were probably, I don't know, I was probably seven. My brother was nine. We were just on the phone all night. Like voting, voting, and voting, and voting, and was that what it was like? Or because you were at university, you didn't, you didn't oh, have uh, yeah. enough money? 
Oh yeah, no, not enough. Not my student loans not going on voting for uh, for my mum. But no, when it did get to that final, we all me and my flatmates I think at the time were kind of like uh, trying to vote and and getting very excited. And I thought for a second, oh my gosh, she might she might win. Um, but I was also just really I was really upset because I was doing I must have been doing an exam or something. And they can fly you out. They yeah. offer. They're like you know for the big reunion, you get to come to Australia. We'll treat you. You get a hotel room. Brilliant. And I had this exam and I was like I can't I can't come. And it was an all expense trip to this amazing place in Australia and yeah. like so my dad went by himself bless him and um, I think he had, he hung out with um, there was a sort of politician in it that year who had a, re- a much younger sort of model girlfriend and it was just bless my dad this was it Lembid of, Opic? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my dad this sort of do- like, he was going out sweet. with a cheeky girl wasn't yeah, he? yeah yeah he was going out with a cheeky girl uh, but actually at this time he was going out with um, he dumped the cheeky girl for a model and so my dad this kind of 50 year old sort of slightly dodgery or maybe even 60 at that point man sort of had to hang out with this sort of like glamour <laughs> model um, so I think he had a lovely time he found a way to enjoy it. Yeah. Let's just uh, put it that way. Um, yeah, what you said about uh, her being surprised that they weren't faking it, that's exactly what Harry Redknapp said when he went in. Yeah. He, he, he thought there were burger vans around the back that they Definitely. were going to eat from and stuff like that. Um, I think the people who are surprised in that way come across the best, though. Mm. Um, and the, the most grounded people. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, your mum came third, so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that This has become the I'm a celebrity, get me Sorry. out of here podcast. No, no, it's <laughs> all good. the show. But uh, like I said, you know, I love that show. I think it's incredibly well produced and mm, it uh, is Ant and they're Deck. a crack team and and deck a crack team of presenters um so how this is a question we ask everyone how did you feel when we first asked you to come on this podcast did it raise any um interesting kind of things inside of you that you've had to deal with over your life yeah i mean i uh, i was very pleased to be asked uh, but also kind of um a little bit hesitant and i had to kind of i said to you a bit earlier i said i had to ask for my mum's permission because i just wanted her to know in case she was sort of like wow you went and bitched about me to, some, to someone for an hour how dare you um no family secrets um but i think you know she was like you do what you want um she's got a podcast where she tells everyone everything anyway so what's that podcast called <laughs> oh it's called older and wider uh yeah. it's with her mate judith they worked on grumpy old women together so they they have a very uh unique family base of brilliant old women mm-hmm. and just are very funny together um but yeah so i think she can't really talk about me saying certain things can she because she's kind of puts all out there made a career out of yeah, it, yeah come on it's my turn now um so yeah i suppose i was just a, a bit nervous because i think and you've had this probably maybe some other guests of uh trying to be uh kind of successful in your own right not feel like you're uh piggybacking off someone else's career not feeling like there's nepotism at play in your career as well um so yeah it's it's a bit of a mixture of of kind of being really proud and wanting to talk about my mum and how much she's inspired me but also wanting to make sure that people don't think that I've uh just kind of got a career because of her yeah have you ever tried to hide being Jenny Eclair's daughter. Oh, do you know what? I can't because of the way I look. And I've actually <laughs> had people, I've had people, strangers come up to me or people like, I, when I went to drama centre, in fact, I had this brilliant Russian teacher who was like, you remind me of this woman. She's not, she's okay. She thinks she's very funny. She's on the TV sometimes. She's very brash. And I was like, yes, my mum. We look exactly the you same. You went to drama centre with Borat. Uh, yeah, I went with Borat. He was a great teacher. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that's the thing. I didn't learn accents at drama centre, clearly. Um, but yeah, so, 
I I can't hide it. We are identical. And also I'm very proud of the fact because I, you know, I think my mum, as you said in the intro, she's done a lot of different things and uh, I'm always just really proud of her achievements. So I don't mind. And if people want to make assumptions that, you know, it's all nepotism, they, they can do that. They have. It's on the Guardian comments of every sort of piece they've ever done about me. Um, I don't... What, what, what kind of comments are oh, there? Oh, the classic. Also, a lot about my surname, which is kind of unfair because, you know, my mum uh, and dad actually only got married two years ago because my mum doesn't believe in marriage and just did it for tax reasons after <laughs> being together for 35 years. Um, I think I saw she'd written a like a, a blog piece on it on her on her yeah. website or something. It was like, got married, just thought I better had to. Yeah, it was over by 10pm. It's hilarious. She went home and watched Love Island. It was absolutely brilliant. It was like, My I was kind like, of mum. Yeah, exactly. I was like, do you want to go out? Uh, we can keep the party going. She was like, no, Love Island is on. Come on, don't be silly. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I can't hide it. And also, yeah, people people can make comments, but um, oh, who cares really? And yeah. Do you... um? have any recollection of the first time you realised that your mum was famous and not like all the other mums? Uh, yeah, I think because I had quite a weird childhood, so she didn't really, and I don't think she'll mind me say this, she didn't, she didn't really bring me up as, as a baby and as, as a kid. I think I kind of, um, I called her present lady for quite a long time. Um, so she only became very present in my life, actually, weirdly, as I hit a kind of teenagedom. So at the time when you're meant to be running away from your mum is when she actually swooped in and decided to be like a bit of a tiger mum, which okay. was quite interesting. So I think... I realised that she had a kind of different job when I had birthday parties and my mum being this kind of freelancer who was doing quite well at that point in the sort of 90s would kind of go really over the top at these birthday parties. I think to make up for the fact that she maybe wasn't around very much and I think that's when I started to notice that there was maybe a difference and that my mum was kind of around at odd times, that Mm. she sort of, she worked at night, that she, um, you know, some people kind of knew who she was or there was like an over familiarity with people on the street like that that would always get to me as a kid like I really didn't like when people approached us Um, how would you react to that Oh, as a very, like, sport and slightly bratty, because I think it's that weird thing where you're like, no, she's just my mum, go away. <laughs> but um, but nowadays I know that she bloody loves it, so I kind of, I know that it'll make her day, so I kind of yearn for it to happen. And in terms of, and feel free not to answer this, but in terms of her not having been present earlier on in your life, was that to do with her career as a stand-up and, and the way that she worked, or was there more to it than that? Yeah, I think that, you know, she had me... Back then, it wouldn't. It wasn't very young at all. But like thinking about myself, so I'm thirty. She had me when she was twenty seven, twenty eight, mm-hmm. and I think that you know she had just started kind of being a comedian, and, and you know what that's like. That's that's crazy hours. You're kind of dedicating yourself to a certain lifestyle as well. You've got to be one of the boys, especially at that time. So you know because she really was one of the only women, and in that circle, she's much more of a stand up, stand up, you know, than and then a sort of TV comic at that time. So I think. Um, I think having a small baby doesn't really go with that that way of working and that way of being. So, um, uh, so yeah, I think she kind of brilliantly juggled it. But I, I would say that I kind of, you know, my dad was really present and I was looked after by an amazing woman called Vanessa, who I also call mum. So, I yeah, I sort of feel like I have two mums. And uh, it sounds like from the way you've, you know, you wax lyrical about your mum, so it sounds like that's stuff that you've discussed openly since and, yeah. and you got over and got through. Therapy has happened. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Into no. family therapy? <laughs> oh, God, no. That would uh, that would take uh, years and years. Uh, <laughs> but I think, 
yeah and I think you know my mum's really honest about that as well and I think it's actually really brilliant because it's you know there's a lot of expectation on women to have a kid and have a career and, and do it all and I think my mum was very honest where she said you know I made certain sacrifices and I made certain decisions and you should be able to do the same because it's not just a given that I should have just been a perfect mum straight away yeah. and I think that's really good and that's inspired you and how does that make you feel in terms of your own thoughts of having your own family moving forward and yeah stuff? it's really interesting I suppose because now that I'm a freelancer and I'm trying so hard to juggle my career and make and make enough money and make sure that I'm making the right steps and getting to a certain level whatever that is yeah. and now you know I, as I said I just turned 30 and I you know I me and my partner discuss it a lot and we are just kind of like how do you, you do and I, I do get a bit frustrated like I, I have a lot of male writer friends um, and they're, really, they're going through leaps and bounds in their careers and they're doing really exciting things and, and they can plan quite a few years in advance or these really big commissions and I just think well I, I can do that but if I got pregnant would that change would that change my time scale would that change what I, what I can do I mean obviously that's uh, it depends what happens and how you juggle it as a, as a family but and I've said to my mum you're going to have to help me out and look after this kid and she's like absolutely not <laughs> and I've seen her around children so absolutely not I thought it, I thought it was going to be definitely that you'd say um, she'd be like yes you know I, oh, I no. wasn't there enough for you with now's, now's my time it's payback no no I no she's still got lots of years left of her own career she's like yeah. I am too busy and, and she really is she puts me to shame um, she's she's incredible but, um, I love how honest that is, though. That she's yeah. just going, nope. Sounds like you have a proper, like one of the one of the soundest mother daughter relationships I've ever heard. We do. We talk every single day. It's a bit. It's a bit sad. It's a bit weird. But I think I think lots of uh, women do do that actually because I think your mum just is such a a big part of your life. Yeah. What What about dads? What about boys and their fathers? What well, are your I was actually going to say. Well, so I'll, I can go on to my father, but I'll, I was going to say about my mum. So my yeah. mum, my mum brought me up on just me and my brother pretty much on her mm. own. And um, she does this thing now where she's like, um, oh, well, I, you know, I never I never brought you guys up to, uh, you know, come home every Sunday and have a roast or anything. I, I wanted you to to spread your wings and flee the nest yeah. and whatever. And then, uh, you know, two weeks later when she hasn't heard from me, I haven't heard from you yeah. in two weeks. Where have you been? <laughs> come back to me. Um, so, you know, you know, she's uh, she's an amazing woman. I sp- She heard the trailer for this podcast the other day and she was like, uh, I thought it was very funny. And I was like, there was nothing funny in it at all. And she's like, yes, there was a bit where you took the piss out of me and my, my pop <laughs> career. I was like, oh, yes, no, there was that, I suppose. But she can laugh. That's good. And also that sounds like she's very, like, quite protective, quite wants, you know, wants to give you praise. I think that's the thing. I think sometimes having parents who work in a similar business to you can be quite hard because they can judge what you do because mm. they know how to critique it. Mm-hmm. They know what they're talking about. That could be quite tricky. I've seen you say that your mum gives you the best feedback of anyone. How does that manifest itself? She gives me the best, but it's it's very honest as well. Brutal. Yeah, brutal. And we can have these horrible, I'll kind of go home because I'll be like, I can't write this thing. Help me. Read it. Tell me what's wrong. And she will. She's so good. She takes time. You know, she'll, she'll drop what she's doing. But then she will tell it to me straight and then I'll be really upset and have a moat because I didn't want to hear the truth I just wanted to be told that I was brilliant Um, but then in the back of your mind when you hear that is there like oh she's right yeah she's She's always right right. Mm. fuck it damn it she's um, she knows what she's talking about I mean look sometimes we do have really different tastes and actually I'm like no you're you're wrong about that but um, most of the time and also she can spot when she's like you could be so much funnier than that and that's that's difficult because I can't write a punchline like my mum can Mm -hmm. and I, I get quite frustrated with myself sometimes with that because I like to think that I'm a funny writer, but I'm not a, like a j- joke writer. And she's just—it's a skill. You, she, you know, you yeah. know very much from doing comedy. It's like you've got to hone that. And uh, yes, yeah, so I can get I'm quite jealous of that skill of hers. And I read that. So you started um, 
at Drama Centre and you were at that point, I guess, looking towards performance, but then you you started suffering from stage fright. Is that right? And has, has that really yeah. sent you down the other path? Yeah, absolutely. And also, do you know what? I was just really crap. Like, I think <laughs> if you're going to be an actor, you have to like, A, be insanely talented, but you also have to really, really want it. You have to be so obsessed. And I think I actually, I loved being at Drama Centre. I had a great time in the foundation course there, but I, I think, that I realised quite quickly that I couldn't really do it. And also, I really just wanted to be there because I really loved uh, reading plays. Mm. And so actually, it made more sense to go and do an English degree and uh, and do a bit of drama on the side. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I definitely didn't think I wanted to be a writer. Uh, that came really late, actually. Um, most people are like, oh, I, re- I wrote my first play at 10 and I put it on. And that was not my journey at all. Yeah, I hate those my people. Journey. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> what, what are they about? Like, obviously, like me and my cousin would put on, you know, would do silly voices and we'd like, you know, pretend to be in Home Alone but like we wouldn't you know write an opera and was stand-up never something you thought about or was it something you thought about but your mum told you not to oh god no like it makes me feel sick I don't know how you guys do it I think stand-up is the most horrific idea like who invented that it's mad why would you want to be on this stage just you and if you're not making anyone laugh I just that's why actually I'm a huge. I re- I love going to see comedy. I love mm-hmm. it, and I. But I'm a massive over laugher. Like I will laugh at anything because I've just been brought up to be like, don't make this their worst night ever. Like you have to laugh. So yeah. Um. I will when, come so to have this. you openly said to your mum? I think what you do is completely mad. I don't know how you do yeah, it. Yeah, I think she's bonkers. That's why. I'm, but that's why I'm really proud of her because you know I've I for ages we weren't allowed to see her shows. Me and my dad like that was the rule. She kind of okay. thought it was quite jinx. She thought that my dad my dad went to one of her gigs once many many years ago. It went badly, so she was like, no, you're never allowed. And I and also growing up, like her material would have been a bit too much for me. Mm. You know, she's quite risque back in the day. Um, now, obviously, she does jokes about being. A middle-aged woman and I can come and I really love it because it's like the church of middle-aged women and her audiences are all female and they just like go for it and it's it's really heartening and lovely and I think actually this is like you found your comedy groove because your audience are just so pleased that someone is being honest yeah. and truthful um, and that's where I think like comedy what a golden amazing job um, but then other times no god <laughs> and just seeing how her career has evolved um, with time give you confidence about how your writing will evolve as you get older and you have more life experiences and stuff no I feel like my mum achieved so much more by my age than I've achieved and we have had that discussion you know she sort of has brutally you know said well she's she's much more of a performer and and she she has that side and I think it's taken me and my mum a while to realise that like because I'm not a performer you don't you don't get the same level of, of fame or success or notoriety it's a very different job like I just want to be very very good at what I do and and sort of you know move on to to bigger jobs and more responsibility but I think there did come a weird point because when I was younger I think you know maybe I did want to be little orphan Annie on the stage singing Mm. her heart out so I think there did have to come a point where I went oh I've actually chosen a career that's very much not going to happen and also Phoebe Waller-Bridge has has done it and has my name so it's too late for me yes you Uh, were you were the the first first double-barreled Phoebe Um, but yeah, I used to get emails for her. That was always very upsetting. With really exciting <laughs> job opportunities. I would have just, I would have just pretended to be her. I'm I sure of it. I wish I need to grow like a foot and and get a, a really cool birthmark. Um, no, she, but she's she's very nice. Uh, only because I used to pass on emails. For <laughs> well, her. there you go. That's a, a connection that you can't change. You, you mentioned about being uh, Annie. You've yeah. talked before about your teenage summers at the Edinburgh Fringe being, in your words, oh, yeah. those really horrific kids on the Royal Mile. <laughs> 
who sing songs, do jazz hands, and aggressively flyer you, just to kind of finish off the performing period of your life. Um, Was that something that at that point just felt incredibly natural, and do you think that comes from your mum? And then you've had to kind of, since you've, in your in your words, you think you're not very good at acting, yeah. so you've kind of moved on. Yeah, I, well, I think when you're a teenager, right, you're, you kind of have to choose who you're going to be at school, don't you? And you have to kind of be like, um, I just chose to be the drama nerds. Um, we had a really good drama department and we got to do these, basically it was kind of linked to the Young Pleasants Theatre Company, so the Pleasants, that's obviously in North London. And so we got to these mad, mental, huge musicals in Edinburgh. And I must have been like 15 the first time I went. And that is, you know, you're just trying to sneak pints and go and, you know, see comedy till two in the morning and it's just the best time ever. So I think I was... And, and I was, you know, I just wanted to snog boys so badly and I knew that that was probably the only way. That's made you cough with horror. <laughs> so important to always hear, oh my God, I'm dying. Oh no, do you need water? <coughs> I was so... I was holding that cough in. Oh, babe, but that makes it boys worse. was the last. Uh, was the the last point? One second. Well, that's yeah, that's the point of view theatre, isn't it? Everyone just wants to get off with uh, each other, so that's why you join. I think that's just the point of life, isn't yeah. it? Surely, <laughs> that's the point of Edinburgh Festival. I, I should say just at that point to interrupt. I had a job interview the other day, of which the exact same thing happened, where I was talk. Well, in, snogging in teenagers. A, what? I was I was not snogging the person I was interviewing for, but I choked in the middle of the interview, oh. and she had to go off and get me. Um, Water and since then I found out I didn't get that job. So, oh, mate! You know, I know. I know. It wasn't the cough. Time. That's not. Or should we blame the cough? Or that I think it's important to blame, blame the, the cough. cough. Absolutely, it was down it to the was cough. Not you, um, as a hue. <laughs> so yeah, sorry, you were snogging boy. Uh, it was important snog boys. Yeah, it was just. It was just fun. I think also, you know, I had a lot more. I had this weird, huge amount of confidence when I was a teenager, and I just thought that I could do anything but actually every time I did I was in a musical and I never got a single word of any song right like I I would get stage fright really really badly so I think I definitely chose the right career I mean I still hate I hate watching my own plays I I really I don't enjoy it because I'm just a bag of nerves like I I throw up before like every show it's really bad so I know I kind of wish I did have a bit more of my mum's like schutzburg just like she just does it but um I think that the throwing up story is interesting because um, mm. I know that top level footballers do that. Oh, really? It's a it's a, a nerve thing, and a, and it's and some of them who, if it's not happening naturally to them, they'll put their fingers oh, down no. their throat to do it purpose. It makes them feel a lot better. Um, like a so you know, I don't think dangerous. that's as bad as maybe you thought. I think because um, it's just nerves, isn't it? They're a pressured environment. It's it's kind of you know. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you, feel, do you feel any added pressure, um, you know, getting into the entertainment industry because your mum is a name within the entertainment industry? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I don't want to tarnish the good name of Claire. I don't want to... Um... Well, at least you've double-barreled it. So. <laughs> at least I have, yeah. I know I was told not to by lots of people, which I think is a bit cheeky. Uh, and kind of, you know, because you, you really don't want to just sort of be like, and I am a byproduct of... Because uh, we do really different things and we've got slightly different tastes and styles. But, yeah, no, I just... I wanted to... I knew it was what I wanted to do. Of course, my mum would have loved it if I'd been an accountant. Uh, but also now, I think she's secretly pleased that Why, I did. Why, of course? That. Well, it's interesting you say well, that. We've had a few guests who yeah. talk about their parents wanting them to not get into the same Do industry the as them. I think my mum's constant thing is just like, how are you ever going to afford a, a, like a safe life? And mm. how, you know, she kind of... She's very funny about money, my mum, and, and she, you know, so she is like, you know, you need to earn. I'll, I'll kind of be quite proud of something and be like, look, I got paid for Hollyoaks. She'll be like, this is nothing. You need to be doing a million times more. If you were an, an you know, accountant, you'd be on twice this. Um, so, yeah, it's. It, I think it's just the stability thing, isn't it? And I think also she she gets very upset when I got, you know, Fury, at, when actually I did at Soho, got some lovely reviews, also got some really horrible reviews. Some people hated that show and and I think she she got more upset than I did and sometimes I'd find myself sort of having to kind of go, there, that's okay. And mm. it's like, you know, what the fuck? Because she, she's so invested in me doing well and so wants this to work for me that I think she takes it very personally if, you know, someone dares to criticise me. Um, it's interesting though, coming from someone who has obviously had to deal with more hecklers than probably most uh, even comedians not being able to because you're her daughter not being able to step outside and kind of realise of course that's a rite of passage that's what you're going to have to go through and have to deal with in the same way that she's had to deal with it yeah but she's kind of never dealt with it very well as in I do even even for herself yeah I do remember as a kid you know like you know you'd, you'd sort of rue the day that a bad review came out because it would be sort of you know everyone would have to hide for like a week um and I've inherited the same thing like I'm dreadful I I hate hate uh reviews and and I mean you know Fury Fury was years ago now and I still remember like every line of probably every kind of slightly snarky review um and yeah. what what um what <laughs> don't make me say that <laughs> what no 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 well you do know how do yeah. you feel about reviews uh I think I've said it in a previous podcast is like I just don't with reviewers and then people who mm. are um commenting on you on YouTube or digital channels or whatever I don't really see them as real people. Right. I think I think with reviewers anyway, I don't have much um experience of getting full proper reviews like you will have done, but with reviewers I always just feel like when I'm reading them you are 
in essence, doing a paid job and trying to write something that still makes you look more important than whatever you're writing about. Yeah, that's um, a good And point. they're trying to keep their job. So they have to find an angle on everything. Mm. And for me, it's impossible to believe that any reviewer doesn't go in with some kind of preconceived idea of what they're going to expect. So, yeah. you know, I dare say that any reviewer going into a play of yours will will think, well, this is Jenny Eclair's daughter to some degree. Yeah, This yeah. is a, a woman of a, this age and I'm going to put all of those things together and yeah. decide to some degree at the start how I feel and then hopefully... You know, be, be taken in by the show and do something else. But I yeah. know what you mean. Like, you know, everyone does mention it. And I think on Twitter recently, because so I won the Brontwood and it was uh, so uh, exciting and brilliant. But, you know, obviously it's always going to be kind of linked to my my mum. And, you know, someone on Twitter, there were a couple of interviews straight away. And obviously everyone goes in with the angle of like, and you're Jenny Eclair's Twitter. And that's absolutely fine. And I, I get it because, like you said, they're doing a job and they're trying to make the mm. piece a little bit more interesting or have like an angle. And I did have someone on Twitter be like, oh, wouldn't you just love it if they didn't mention your mum? And I think I was in quite a, a kind of bad mood that day. So I said something like, yes, you mm. know, I, I would. And then I felt really horribly guilty. But then I also did feel like, well, no, like instinctively I kind of, I did want to be seen as an entity in my own right. And I kind of also was a bit like, well, she didn't write the play, so I don't quite understand why she's being brought up. But then me and my mum had this quite big argument about it because she was like, well, but I have, you know, I have paid for education. I have helped you in so many ways. So, like, if they mention me, we'll get over it sort of thing. And and also I can't help it. And I think that was really honest and right of her to say as well because it's Mm. like, well, she's not... She wasn't there to be like, oh, please don't mention me. Like, It's actually, though, one, just think about it, it's one of the few parts of your career or mm. life that she wouldn't understand because her mum wasn't famous. Oh, yeah, no, right? very true. So that's yeah. something where you have a, yeah. you know, you have the experience of this, so only you can understand how it feels it to feels you. Like. That's a really good point. I never thought about it in that way before. Yeah. That's a really good point. But, it, well, use that next time you're having Thanks, the mate. argument, yeah. I think. Um, I'm keeping that, putting it in the back but, pocket. But, yeah, I mean, just to finish on Twitter, uh, mm. I don't think counts for anything. I think Twitter has become yeah. the cesspit of, yeah, you know, the human it. race and people who are so desperate to have an opinion mm. when it's really not worth them having an opinion. They, they just, yeah. so many people... It's not everyone, obviously, but it's getting a larger and larger percentage. So many people on Twitter just want to get a rise out of people who are trying to create things. Yeah, there is that. And and, and it's like, why are we so destructive uh, towards any kind of like creativity or kind of innovation or, or for people trying, which I think is sometimes what annoys me as well. It's like before anyone's even opened their mouths, a lot of people are ready to jump down their throats. And I think that's really problematic about Twitter. I mean, I still go on it because I, I love a good meme and I love it when, <laughs> I love it, for instance, like when the Cats trailer came out or when Wag for Christy happened and then you're like oh the human race is going to be okay we're all excellent we're so funny and then I'm like yeah it's great I think I saw I think I saw on your Twitter correct me if I'm wrong uh, just a recent tweet where you said you were just watching over and over the one where the baby's shout screaming and howling and the dog oh, just copies her. It's just great. <laughs> How joyous is that? And this is the thing. I think but then Without, I worry yeah. about my brain because I'm just like, I'm not actually reading anything anymore. I'm just looking at animals doing shit. And I'm like, yeah. What did what did people do before memes? Oh, literally. How did they live? How did they talk to their partners? It's so true. What was there to talk about in bed? God, people probably had to have sex back then. How poor I know. Um, <laughs> poor them. Uh, have you got examples of how people have treated you differently because of your mum's fame I mean we've talked a bit about the nepotism side have you have you actually had any of that said to your face or do you think it's maybe more behind your back or more in your head uh yeah I've wondered about this I've always wondered um when I meet people for work I'm like oh have I have I 
been what you wanted me to be? Have I disappointed? Why did you... Call? I, I, I think that I hope that I've done enough of my own work on my own back that 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 doesn't really happen anymore um the only time that I felt really directly linked to my mum was and I have to admit like I you know I got out of university and I I had worked at this sweet shop since I was 18 and I had worked all the way through university at this sweet shop sorry to interrupt but I heard you talk about the sweet shop I want to know more about the sweet shop (laughs) um because you talked about you that you were a runner at one point I was less interested in that than I am about tell me all about this well this is the the sweet shop ends and me being a runner and uh, being a runner was directly when my when my mum basically kind of got me that got me that in the door for that job and and I I felt so guilty. I very soon uh, got a job that I, you know, interviewed elsewhere because I just felt I felt like it was too um, tied up with my mum. So that is the only time that I think I have used it and abused it, and then felt kind of dodgy, and so went elsewhere. Which I think is okay, but the sweet shop is yeah. a great place. It's sadly no longer open. It was a 1950s sweet shop and um, called Hope and Greenwood, uh, and it was just like we would just get a vat of sweets. So it's brilliant. You'd be really hungover with loads of other 20 year olds, and um, you'd be really hungover, and you'd just get to sort of eat all the sherbet lemons and then sell yeah. really overpriced chocolates to tourists and have a great time. So it was like proper old school sweet shop where it I could was. go in and say I'd like a quarter of strawberry sherbet. I can please. weigh anything. I know the weight of anything because I've done so much like. Like little scoops of things like if you ever take me to a tombola I'm winning that like I'm really good <laughs> said nobody in the last 40 years <laughs> except for you any tombolas anywhere I'm just going back to what you said about the guilt you felt from being a runner and how you mm. got that job I can totally understand that but also every single runner yeah. has got it through a contact of a contact yeah because that's like how it works right I don't because yeah. they never post on job sites like come no. be a runner it's no. like because I used yeah. to I used to work in TV and maybe will again, yeah. but um, the reality of it is they don't want actually someone to come in and go, well I've got a, a you know I got a first mm. in my media degree and I know how to do this I know how to do that. Yeah. In my experience, what they want is someone they can mould and say, oh I gave you that job and I'm teaching you how to do this. What I will say is probably a bit different now in the age of the proper millennials and Gen Zs <laughs> is that actually the ones who come out of university and can like edit and use photoshop oh, and yeah, stuff like, they're probably now doing all better. that for free <laughs> for yeah. free way previously it would have been an assistant producer's job definitely like yeah we had none of those skills right we were we were yeah. kind of pre that we were pre kind of youtube being tv so yeah it was a very different beast i mean i loved being i loved being a runner it's exhausting but and i loved working what were you on, a runner on uh comedy tv shows live at the electric for mm-hmm. bbc3 yeah, and that. a couple of yeah a couple of other sort of avalon uh shows and yeah. oh, um oh you worked at avalon i did indeed oh, well that's another podcast podcast that we could make I'm sure because I've worked at Avalon too oh great well maybe we should talk about that (laughs) elsewhere that's not being recorded Um, just for those people uh, not as in as we're being right now um, I I think it's safe for me to say that Avalon has a um, reputation yeah well it kind of is one of the biggest uh, baddest kind of they're like they're like kind of the 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 cool boys of sort of comedy tv and they have a lot of clients my mum is one of them Mm mm-hmm and they sort of have this, you know, they have a bit of a monopoly on comedy TV. And I mean, I learned a lot there. I learned a mm-hmm. lot. I, you know, and I I kind of had lots of people scream at me as well. But like, that's yeah. part of being young and a runner and getting things wrong. Yeah. My mum is not represented by Avalon. So what <laughs> I'll say is uh, that I know that a number of clients of Avalon have left down the years due to the way that they feel they've been treated. Uh, however, I will also say for the uh, benefit of fairness, uh, I know lots of people who are with Avalon who are very happy there. Well, yeah, my mum's my been there, got it like a ridiculously long time. So she's sort of part of the... 
building. The way I've always thought about it is I think Avalon are cunts, but if they're your cunts, <laughs> then that really works well for them. They are well going to fight well for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they are. Like I said, they're the bad boys of, of sort of the entertainment world. Um, what is the most embarrassing moment or strange anecdote you can think of as a result of growing around, growing up around fame? Oh, oh, um... Oh, there's something in there. I always get... I ask this question and then I see people like, go, oh, and I can see at the top of their head there's a story that they can remember. I'm sure of it. Do you know, I, I feel... Okay, so I suppose that, like, it, and it wasn't even, like, fame, fame, because I think it changed a bit. When my mum was on Loose Women, that was a different kind of fame, and, and suddenly we would, was like... A, was she a regular then for a while? She was a regular women. for a while, mm-hmm. and then she was very naughty, and her and Janet Street Porter uh, drew some offensive... Um, sort of cocks and balls on uh, like Mylene Class and um, wait 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 and wait. that opera singer what's her name wait Catherine wait wait don't, don't try and uh, Catherine Jenkins I'm <laughs> sure you're Jenkins. thinking of don't don't try and glaze over this so what happened to your mum on Loose Women okay, she, they drew so... some phallic symbols <laughs> yes I love it phallic symbols so my mum basically I think I don't know why she does this she's been fired from quite a few jobs in her life I think she was fired from LBC for breaking a window as well she's like she's she's naughty my mum is a massive t- toddler like she is still a five year old that just wants to make everyone laugh but she has a really short attention span and she was working on those women and I think her and Janet Street Porter were quite naughty together and uh, they went round the offices of ITV and they just thought it'd be hilarious to get a biro out and start drawing all over these like official photographs on the walls oh, I see. and then obviously I think it was the Daily Mail the Sun got wind of it and like blew it all out of proportion and was like you know anti-feminist drawing dicks on other female celebrities how dare they I think Mylene Class actually said that she found it very funny but Catherine Jenkins was a little bit upset and anyway I think that and a myriad of other things meant that my mum got the uh, got the heave ho which mm. which was a shame but you know what like I think you know my mum is a quite a malleable person and, and maybe Loose Women was maybe one step too far. For, I don't know. So, no. but, you know. And does that count that as your, kind of fame. you were slightly embarrassed by that or? I was really proud because I was like, <laughs> come on, how renegade is that? I mean, obviously I was like, oh no, all that lovely money. <laughs> like, isn't, that was the first time we went on a proper big holiday was oh. when she got that job. It was like, oh my God, we're doing this. Like as a family, we're going on holiday and like to, like we went, we went to Miami, which is like insane. Oh, and South that, Beach in the heat yeah literally I was like what the hell like my this is not my mom like this is incredible so so you know I I, I think I think that was like our, our taste of like lifestyles with the rich and the famous yeah. um and then it was over uh, not not to wind you up more about what you said earlier about having to miss um going out to Australia for oh. I'm a Celebrity but uh, I that hotel it's actually been discussed in one of these episodes before that hotel is the world's only six star hotel yeah, that you missed out literally, on going literally my dad was like it was insane and like, the amount of pools and everything I can't believe it I'm, I still think about it I still get a bit upset yeah because you've never you've only you been on one holiday in your life apparently <laughs> oh out well, we always used to like I'm being a bit me we'd go to like Spain but inevitably my mum would sort of be like this is this is shit we're having a terrible time I don't want to go anywhere um uh, I don't like paella, so uh, it was never. Your mum, your mum sounds like someone I want to go out drinking with. She sounds oh, hilarious. Yes. My mum is a my mum is a great person. That's the thing. Like she's so much more fun than me. It's very upsetting. And I think growing up, like my anecdotes are all about Edinburgh. Like she is the queen of Edinburgh. Like she is so good. Like my mum would go out, get hammered, and like. Like get us to have a kebab on the way home and know like all the get into all the bars go to all the gigs like she's where I'd be the one going like oh I need to fly her in the morning can we go home <laughs> she's really fun um, yeah um, I've just written on my piece of paper cocks and balls because I wanted to go back to just that story you told because I just want to say at the beginning the reason I asked you to not glaze over it is because I thought for a second 
your mum had gone round like a makeup <laughs> room and drawn penises on the foreheads oh, of, no. <laughs> uh, who, of, of Catherine Jenkins. No. So that's slightly disappointing. I'm so sorry. No, it was just that that's why I think they did blow it out of proportion because it was it was just on, a, you know, some photographs. Uh, come on, everyone. Uh, I know, that's kind of ridiculous. And, and which which annoying, probably, researcher within ITV sold that story to the mirror oh, or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, I know. But, and, uh, yeah. I don't know. She would probably if she hadn't done that, there would have been there would have been something else. And I think, you know, uh as much as she and she did, she really loved working on that show. Um, but I think it's yeah, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. Was and she, yeah. Was she there during the Katie Price years? She was not. Oh no, no she was. She, she was? definitely did meet Katie Price because I remember be, me being like, Oh my god, you met Katie Price, like what on earth was that like? And my mum being like, It was surreal. <laughs> like she was like, It's everything you kind of expect, but like it's way more <laughs> and like she's really honest. She was kind of really brilliantly honest, my mum said, and I don't think I think that's quite rare. Um, but yeah, Kate Price. Yeah, uh, I, I have to admit, a good booking because it did make me for at least ten yeah, seconds more tempted to watch Lose Women. women right? uh, I didn't. <laughs> I I was busy, but I I've thought about it. Um, I've seen you talk about your uh, particular style of writing and you're inspired by uh, where you grew up, uh, Southeast London, Peckham, particularly yeah, Campbell, uh, Campbell. Yeah. Um I wondered how you see or if you think your writing has taken anything from the way your mother writes as well. Yeah, I do think um so I'm a really big fan of my mum's books and and her radio her five, series her five, her five books. books and her radio series actually she writes a series for uh, Radio 4 called Little Lifetimes uh, that she's written for the past few years and it's like these brilliant monologues and um and they're really quite they're funny but they're quite nasty they're quite they can be quite dark and I think that we do share a kind of quite macabre fairy tale sort of sense of humour sometimes, mm-hmm. and I think our our styles when we when we're doing monologues very similar. I think what I have differently to my mum is that I really like, um, you know, I write plays full of dialogue, and I don't I don't sort of think that that's really her thing. I think being a stand up, she's much you know, monologue is more her her thing and telling stories and mm-hmm. kind of like, and like I said, that ultimate punchline that she's just really good at. Um, my mum likes to say that I'm better at structure and form, but I I don't know. Like I kind of think that, but maybe that's just because. I've had to be really disciplined because of being writing plays and writing TV. Like TV has a formula, right? You ha- you have certain rules to how you write for mm-hmm. TV. So like that's more what I'm used to. Yeah. Um, what is the Hollyoaks formula? Oh, there there is a oh, just because it's it's quite strict. Did like, you ever work in, on Hollyoaks nights? Oh, I bloody wait! I was so <laughs> upset they kind of don't really do it anymore. And I was like, please, that was the one. That's what I grew up watching because it was basically like soft porn yeah. and you could kind of get away with being like it's Hollyoaks it's fine look they're taking drugs and having sex um, which you can't do obviously because it's on uh, pre-Watershed yeah. uh, so writing for Hollyoaks is you can have so much fun but then you kind of can't because Channel 4 will go you can't really do that we can't show that so like tone it down um, but I uh, loved working on Hollyoaks more than anything uh, they are the nicest people and um, and they know what the show is and they just have so much fun with it and I and again I can't stand snob- snobby people who say they don't like watching soaps yeah. um because oh bollocks to because you because they're mostly lying that's why lying. like I said before they're, they're either lying or they're so pretentious that they refuse to admit yeah. that EastEnders for instance on a Christmas day you know you're going to oh, get at least on. one death uh, hopefully you, you know it. Tiffany will come back from the grave oh What's we always not to hope enjoy? That. I haven't seen Hollyoaks for a lot of years but I used to do stand up a lot of gigs with James Redmond who played Finn and did a uh, sketch with him once He's uh, and so we talked a bit about Hollyoaks very fun um, it's uh, show watch Hollyoaks people 
Yeah. That's my Are you? Is it an on on running job? Um, I like actually what? had to take a little. I had to take a little break because I was working on um, two other TV shows. Um, uh, so which was which was really fun. I, I kind of wanted to push push myself to see if I could do that. Um, and I I think I can. I mean, you know, you you do get overwritten here and there. I think what's nice about Hollyoaks is that it is actually mo- it's mostly yours and that's so lovely you're actually seeing your words on TV and I think actually work writing for other people's TV shows that that slightly changes you you don't always get to see completely your script on scene of course you don't yeah. on screen so um, but I, I love it I really uh, yeah I enjoy kind of being a bit of a chameleon I, I enjoy writing other people's characters yeah um, you mentioned just before about uh, your mum thinks you're better at structure and form and you think She's better at uh, punchlines, which makes sense, yeah. of course, because she's been a, com- a comedian for so long. Um, has it happened, or do you foresee it happening where, you know, your mum will help you with the odd punchline and you'll help her with some oh, structure and form? Oh, yeah, I have to admit, yeah, that's definitely what we do. Like, my favourite times with my mum is, like, I'll, I'll go round and... Um, you know, well, it used to be over white wine, but I don't drink anymore, which is very boring and millennial of me. But um, but we would just sit and you know till till late, and she, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm having trouble with this script, and I need a good joke for Mercedes McQueen or something, and she'd be like, oh, I'm struggling with this. You know, she's writing quite a big show, um, which I'm not allowed to discuss. But you know, <laughs> but it's it's actually you know it's much more theatre base so she was suddenly like how do I do this what on earth are they talking about when they're talking about this act structure so like yeah we, we sort of swap and share that's our favourite thing to do I think because we love this business and we love gossiping and we love talking about how to make things or tell stories yeah. um, so I feel really lucky in that respect it strikes me, and I might be wrong, but it strikes me that potentially you might live still quite close to oh your mum. Oh, God, yeah. She won't let me leave. <laughs> the umbilical cord is still tightly around uh I don't think neck. it's down to her. <laughs> I think it might be down to you, in fact. Yeah, do you know what? She's very, she's she's too useful. I'm still hoping for all that babysitting when I have a kid. How so far away do you live from your mum? <laughs> I live in uh, New Crossgate, and she still lives in Camberwell, so it's literally one straight road <laughs> for about half an hour. I don't know how... I knew that but I knew yeah. I just got a sense for it that's really nice I think, I think my that's partner really finds lovely. it a little bit weird and a bit much but we we just really get on I do I do think she's slightly making up for, for lost time I think that and because of that I do feel like I'm not as grown up as I should be do feel like she's yeah, but slightly... she is, in your words, a four-year-old toddler. So <laughs> I think it sounds like it's you're a little true. more grown up than oh, that. I'm definitely more grown up than that. Yeah, she's uh, she's naughty. She's in, really um, naughty. In terms of you living so close, it doesn't strike me like it does with a lot of my. Fr- I've got a lot of mm. male friends, in fact, who uh, have got married and then um, tactically moved close to their wife's parents yeah, yeah. because then the next step is having a baby but it strikes me that it's more to do with your bond uh, and yeah. the fact that you work in a similar industry and Definitely. love each other and help each other and all that stuff also because I love South, South East London I just really cannot imagine it living yeah. anywhere else in London why, why would I leave and I you know I, I kind of would love to live, live closer but I can't live in Peckham who can afford Peckham um, so new cross gate it was um, oh if this podcast was 10 years earlier that was I a know. comment that could not possibly have I know existed. it's very strange it has been really interesting to grow up in that area and just see it so dramatically change um yeah it's a, it's a weird one it is very strange uh yeah so um gentrification yes <laughs> another yes. podcast another another <laughs> offshoot of almost famous the gentrification episodes yeah. uh, some of our guests have been uh, have seen many lies told about themselves and their family in the yes. press over the years can you think of any examples absolutely there was one hilarious one where they did like i don't know again it was like daily mail or daily express or something and they did a breakdown of um all the comedians like the highest earning comedians and like obviously all the guys were at the top and then somewhere like in there was they were like oh blah is you know uh, were 
worth 50 million. And I think my mum was, they were like, yeah, she's worth, she's worth uh, 20 million. And it was just sort of like, my mum was like, I bloody wish. She, she was like, this is a madness. And I think we did get a lot of people sort of suddenly being like, oh, oh, right. Oh, you're that. Oh, you're, you're really rich. And it was kind of like, I think... I think my mum's a bit Scrooge McDuck, McDuck and might have some secret, you know, like <laughs> savings accounts, but she's definitely not worth 20, 20 million quid. Um, so, yeah, I think I think lots of lies like that. And also, um, a lot of the time, just them, um, and this is such a silly thing, but I, I kind of, a lot of the time being like her husband, Jeff, and I think before they were married, I think my mum would be like, that's that's quite annoying. Or they would just, they would lie about our house, they would lie about what we had, they would mm. like, they would sort of make out that my mum was this kind of mansion-owning uh, millionaire, and I, and that's very much not not the case. But I think, um, yeah, just uh, random stuff. I mean, it doesn't really happen anymore um, because I don't think my mum is clickbait. Do you know what I mean? So like, what, yeah. you know, wouldn't... Well, presumably it would have happened most when she was on I'm Celebrity Getting Out of Here yeah, and then Splash and, and Loose Women, yeah. Stuff. And I think, you know, I think actually there was one thing actually that was really sad was when I was when I was quite young and I was up visiting my dad's mum, so my grandma who uh, lives in Kidderminster, which is near Birmingham, and um, and there had been some weird story. I don't know what my mum must have been doing at the time, maybe like a stand-up show or something. There was some story about how, and she's always really honest about how she was quite anorexic when she was younger, but I didn't know what that was and what that meant. And a load of teenage kids sort of like kind of, like pushed into me and were like, is this true? And like, what does that mean? And like, is she really sick? And I think I remember being sort of like 11 and being like, I don't even know what that word means. And like, I was really upset. And that's the only time where it's kind of had quite a negative effect, mm. I think. And I had to be a bit like, oh. And I think sometimes, yeah, I, then I would be a bit like, I think there were times in my life when I was like, I wish my mom, I did wish she wouldn't tell people so much about us. And, and you know, like for instance, a lot of her comedy is about her awful teenage daughter or she'd write articles about you know me having my birthday parties for like the South London press or like she'd kind of use me and my friends as sort of comedy gold mm-hmm. and a lot of it wasn't true like there's a lot of lot of her stand-up material was about me and this um, made-up boyfriend for a long time which wasn't who didn't exist and and people would find it hilarious and think that, that was my life and then I was like oh I kind of have teachers who now would say stuff at school and I'd be like that's not that's yeah. not true yeah. so yeah that would sometimes annoy me but it, I, I do get what she was doing would it have annoyed you more if it was true? <laughs> like if, you, if you were talking <laughs> yeah. about you and your real boyfriend. Yeah, this is the thing. I think I was more upset because I was like, oh, even, you know, you want a cooler daughter who has this cool, sexy boyfriend. <laughs> I don't. So I think more, I was probably just upset that that wasn't my reality. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would sometimes get a little bit awkward and, and embarrassed. But then um, I think my mum's big thing is she just, just doesn't believe in embarrassment. Like she couldn't give less of a shit ever about anything. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's really brave and great. I'd yeah. like to be a bit more like that. That's one of the first rules of being a stand-up is to get rid of your filter. So, yeah. And, and you just can't help can't that it... Care. You can't help it from going over to your real life as well. Yeah. Um, have you ever felt any resentment towards your mother's success at all? I think I've, I... Uh, that's hard, but yeah, probably, because I think when I was 25 and I was really like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life, which I think every 25-year-old has, and I really desperately wanted to to be something I didn't really know what that was and I had to, I was starting to write and I was starting to do short write nights and stuff and I just thought the pressure is so huge here because I couldn't help but have this voice 
in my head and it probably was also my mum sort of being like well by your age and like oh and I'd done this and I was you know I was being flown over here to make adverts and I was partying with you know Stuart Lee and R- Richard Herring and we were having a great time yeah, but it was, of, the yeah. 80s, it was the 80s it was the 80s and there were seven comedians <laughs> <laughs> it's so true and they were just all were having the best fucking time and they you know they could afford to live in quite nice places or they didn't have as much sort of fear I think around money and their place in society and the world wasn't burning um <laughs> So yeah, I think I think those that was when I was like really quite I was quite angry. And actually I did there were times when um because I wanted to do theatre, I would move back home and I would I would live at home and I did it many many times. I boomeranged a lot and I was really horrible and I think my it got to a point where my parents were like you can't we don't want you to live here anymore because I I think I was a ball of anger and resentment because my career wasn't I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't famous and I couldn't and I just I had to understand that I wasn't owed that and yeah. I had to kind of do some work and what kind of what flavor of horrible how did that manifest itself oh. you being horrible just just shouting and being yeah, an assault being or an absolute dickhead just like really sport and selfish and very whiny and um and just unhappy and just yeah aggy come on just uh, yeah i was basically yeah i was a bit of a nightmare very, Aren't we all? <laughs> very honest of you. Um, how has growing up around fame affected your personal relationships? That can be friendships, romantic relationships, everything. I I, I ask this question because uh, I find myself attracted to dramatic relationships. And I oh, think that's because my mum, with both my dad and my stepdad, they had very dramatic relationships. Uh, that's I what I've learned. <laughs> Which so part? do you so do you, so you feel like your relationships are quite dramatic? By dramatic, do you mean that you have quite like intense love affairs and then like big bust ups, like big breakups? Like it's always quite sort of heightened. Yeah, all of the all of the above. And what I'd say is that from my experience, I've uh, found myself less attracted to the relationships where there isn't some kind of danger to it and jealousy and anger and all sorts yeah I, yeah i can definitely be jealous uh i can be attracted to people yeah. who are jealous as well but then at other times i can be put off by it but uh yeah i i saw i was brought onto it by a therapist i was seeing mm. who just said has it crossed your mind that you don't think a relationship is a relationship yeah, unless unless, the unless there's some kind of drama to it that's yeah, that's interesting because so, like I said, it's, I, it, even though my mum was this kind of wild child and she's sort of quite an intense person, um, you know, she has got a really solid relationship with my dad. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of that relationship and I do feel like that's probably something that if I was to, like, dig, I would find out stuff that maybe I didn't want to know. But, like, I, I just, I, from what I had as a childhood, I feel like I had a really brilliant, like, unit there and they've been, like, you know, they've been together for so long and... You know, when they got married two years ago, it was kind of hilarious because I can't... They don't sort of need anything to to declare their love. I, as in, they're, they're just a really good partnership. I don't know if, like, you know... I don't... Love sort of changes over time, doesn't it? Maybe it's it's just a very comfortable thing, but I and I can't imagine them with anyone else. So I think, actually, I've always really craved stability instead of any kind of danger or, or mm. drama. Um, but I definitely... You know, I think my 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 boyfriends. You know, you know, whenever I had to take someone home, it's it's a big <laughs> pressure for them because my mum is funny and she won't let you get away with stuff, and she needs you to be entertaining. And I yeah. think my current boyfriend is incredibly shy, very quiet man, and finds that actually really mm. like terrifying. And it's taking perhaps a lot longer than other boyfriends to sort of find their well, group. I, I was going to say, I bet she makes it even worse for oh, him. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She's not she's not going to let anyone get yeah. off easy. 
That's really interesting. Poor boy. I know, no, literally Poor my boy. whole family though. Like she's not the only, my, my mum's brother is I think even more audacious, louder, funnier, more dramatic than she is. Like right. she'd be upset for me saying that. So it makes but, for good yeah. Christmases. <gasps> oh, Christmas is insane. My, yeah. How is, how is your Christmas? Uh, it's usually just my, it's always just my mum yeah, and mom. my brother and me. So uh, it, what, what it tends to be is um, them uh, getting on the piano and harmonising together because all okay. my family are musicians oh. and me kind of going into full Kevin mode, going into the living room, trying to find some sport to watch. Oh, and, okay. And, and basically just um, going back to what I was like when Childhood, I was a teenager. Yeah, yeah really regressing, do. really regressing. regressing. And I feel sorry for my mum about it. But I've got to the point now, and God, I'm being too honest, but um, I try and... <laughs> I try and make Christmas as short a period of time as possible. So if I can arrive as late on as possible on Christmas Eve and be gone by Boxing Day morning, then I think you're similar to my cousin. Yeah, he's kind of like in and out. Let's go. Whereas Mm. I like to make it the longest. I've already bought most of my Christmas presents. (laughs) I have like every like craving that stability, Vivi. Oh God, yeah. No, it's bad. I am sixty. No, it's good. No, it's good. You're sixty and your mum's four. So I think we know when the (laughs) parental roles swapped around. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, therapy speak, but that has been said a lot. Pretty common. Uh, last question. If you could live your life all over again, but without having had a famous mother, would you swap Phoebe or Claire Powell? No, because I suddenly remembered, actually, when my mum's fame came through for me so much, it was the best moment of my life, was because because of my mum being my mum, she got an invitation I, for the last Harry Potter book when it came out to go to Waterstones before it was released like there was a special like on the on the you know it was coming out like midnight or whatever there were queues around the block and we were allowed in at like 10pm for this party and she got to take me and my best friend who was a big Harry Potter fan uh, Emily and we just we got to go in literally get a book before anyone else and I remember get coming out of the shop and people trying to grab the book off me and I was like oh my god that was worth years of feeling slightly pressured or not good enough I don't care because I got the Harry Potter book before most people and who else was at that party Oh, I don't. I don't even think I noticed. Probably loads of celebrities. I don't fucking care. Dumbledore. <laughs> it was like, give me the book. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. And other things. Yeah, like I've got to meet um, lots of other comedians who I really love and work with comedians. And you know, I do love sort of dipping my toe in that world. Yeah. Because I think they're all very fun people. But I'm really glad I'm not in it. Okay. Well, Phoebe, thank you. That's been such a lovely chat. No really open. You. We also, I hope, got you out in time for your next appointment. A very busy woman. Yeah, busy girl. Um, thank you so much guys for listening to this episode of Almost Famous please do press that subscribe button rate the podcast out those sweet sweet five stars ideally five and leave us a comment too if you have any questions you'd like to ask our guests for future podcasts or any guests you'd love to see on the show let us know in the comments section too or find us on Instagram at at Almost Famous the podcast and on Twitter at pod almost famous and until next time thanks so much for listening Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands, and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com/style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com/style.